Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show that this week is brought to you by a one-man team of Spurs fans, that being me, and a Leeds fan called Dave. That's right, it's a streamlined episode this week. We haven't advised Elio to step back a la BBC on Gary Lineker for any comments on Twitter. We welcome all of his controversial tweets. No, he just happens to have something better to do. And as I know you're listening to this, Elio, we're going to out you here and say that you've gone for work drinks that you apparently can't get out of and you've been dragged along i hope it's worth a celebration i hope you have a good night and i hope you enjoy listening to dave and i do our best once again to fill those large elio shaped shoes dave how are you feeling about another spurs podcast with just you and me well i think it's the two best plus davers isn't it so i think it's uh, it's we're just giving the fans what they want essentially these have traditionally been the best episodes, right? And also the shortest episodes because, you know, we're exactly. immediately cutting yeah. out 60% of the rant time. Although... How, how coincidental that the shortest are the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's an inverse correlation there, isn't there? Probably something we should be a bit worried about. Well, look, we, we are going to talk about quite a few games and, and I appreciate, obviously, one of them wasn't televised. We've got the Milan game to look back on, which I think all Spurs fans would rather forget existed. And, and to be honest, I've almost forgotten everything about it myself, but I've had to brush up on that, um, as well as the win against Forest and our next game against Southampton and a few other bits and pieces, usual format. No challenge Elio today because, of course, there is no Elio. So uh, we'll, we'll get right into it, Dave. We'll uh, we'll talk about the Milan game, a game that I understand you unfortunately had to sit through. I'll be honest, did you sit through the entirety of it? Are you paying attention? Because I will totally forgive you if you only watched it in flashes, because I only watched it in flashes. Yeah. Yeah, it, I'm afraid that's exactly what I did. It did not. It did not grip me for the 90 minutes <laughs> no. as I actually did anticipate it might actually do. You know, there was a there was a sense in the air that it could be one of those European nights, yeah. but then it wasn't. It really wasn't. Uh, and mm. um, and and yeah, just a very from my perspective, a non-Spurs fan, yeah. uh, a very confusing, very odd game of football to be played at home in a European yeah. knockout round. I love the way when you say that you're a non-Spurs fan, you say it with a tone as if you have to remind me, like, by the way, Dax, I know I do this every week, but please remember, I'm reminding I myself. do support Leeds. <laughs> I'm reminding myself. I keep saying yeah, we. I, you have, you have said we a few times recently when referring to Spurs, which I love, by the way. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It wasn't an exciting game. And I think the problem was in many ways, we'd somehow inexplicably got our hopes up, I think, as Spurs fans, despite the fact that everything seemed to be crashing and burning. I think because our whole season was resting on this, uh, not to be too melodramatic and say the season's over, but certain sections of our fans would say it is. I think there was a lot of expectation and we thought given how weakly we limped out of the FA Cup, I think a lot of people were thinking, right, we're going all in now. This is everything. This is our cup final. This isn't the Milan that walked the Serie A last year. This is a Milan that have been in trouble. They've been up and down and yet again, just disappointing all round. Uh, let's talk through the game then. Let's go through it. Obviously, there's no goals, but there were a couple clean of sheet. talking points. Yeah, 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 a clean sheet. Uh, you know what? Funnily enough, you mentioned that. First use the stats of the day. This was Spurs' first goalless draw in a home game in all competitions since September 2017 against Swansea. And that was at Wembley. That wasn't even at the stadium. And that, that was wow. a, a run of 147 home games without a nil-nil draw. So I guess we're not wow. boring at home, although we are very much boring 
unfortunately. Uh, yeah, yeah clean it's very much a goal stadium. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always a goal, nearly always a goal at the Tottenham Stadium. There wasn't on this occasion, unfortunately. And in truth, it didn't really look like there was ever going to be. It wasn't the best performance. Uh, the first point of note, I think, really is 17 minutes in the first of two very stupid reckless challenges by one Christian Romero who I know we've talked about a lot Dave sometimes it's in glowing terms sometimes we're saying that he's a lunatic we definitely saw lunatic Romero on this outing didn't we we did I mean the sec I mean I'm going to skip to the second challenge yeah go quite for frankly, it. I mean they were the both ridiculous for what it's worth the second one with it was a race wasn't it with Teo Hernandez to get the ball and Teo yeah. Hernandez got the ball split second before him and then then the rest is obvious yeah and i guess he has to go for that does he have to go for that was it would, would i've Taylor seen, been through? I've seen I people think, claiming I, think, yeah. I have seen tweets i say tweets it might have just been the one tweet but i have seen suggestions that he had to make that challenge or at least go for it otherwise it would have just been a goal and in the course of making that tweet this person also then went on to blame the rest of our defense and saying that Romero has no choice to make these reckless tackles because the rest of the defense are so bad which I think is a little bit unfair on the rest of the defense and uh, a little bit forgiving to Romero personally Um, I don't think there's any forgiving that first challenge either he just kind of ran out of defense as he does went for one of his Hollywood tackles on Raphael and just took him out for no reason there there wasn't even a danger there were plenty of men behind the ball just a little bit reckless And, and the problem problem is once he's on a yellow 17 minutes in mm. you don't have the same Romero because he's either just and, and you know what's going to happen off or he's going to get sent off yeah. he, he needs to play on the edge and he can't when he's on a yellow that's the problem it is a tricky one but ultimately it's just a centre-back who isn't as old as maybe some people think he is and isn't as experienced mm. as some people think he is making a stupid decision in a big game which on the absolute top gloss of it makes it look like it, he cost them the game but he didn't because yeah. ultimately you kept a clean sheet and you should have been a bit more adventurous going forward yeah. even before 17 minutes when he got booked and certainly before, what was it, 70-odd minutes when he got sent off. Yeah, I mean, the timing of his red card was significant as well because there was a sequence of events around either side of his red card that kind of defined the end of the game and was pretty much the talking point. I think the first interesting thing, which we have seen a couple of times, I don't know if you noticed this, we've seen it once or twice, but nowhere near enough, definitely not from the start and certainly not regularly during games, was we actually changed system in the game for about all of seven minutes until Romero got sent off and then we were forced to change again. So we brought Richarlison on for Emerson, I believe, on the 70-minute mark, which I think we we switched to what looked like something of a 4-4-2 with Richarlison and Kane up front. And you never know exactly what they're playing because obviously it's fluid, but we definitely brought on an attacker for a defender, which was, Mm. I'm I'm sure Elio was reasonably happy to see that because I know he's been claiming that we never do it and saying it's something we need to see more of. Be nice to see that from the start once in a while, but we'll take it one step at a time. Um, But then that all went out the window, of course, when Romero Mm. got sent off. And then the now, I guess, already, if it's not too soon to say, infamous substitution following in the footsteps of that Lucas Moura off for Steven Bergwijn that saw Nuno end his Spurs career. We had uh, had one that has received similar acclaim, which was Sanchez coming on for Kulusevski when we're chasing a goal with seven minutes to go of normal time, bringing on a defender for an attacker, which I don't know what you think about that, Dave, because there are two arguments, aren't there? You kind of have to go for it, but at the same time, do you really want to go out there with like no defense whatsoever? (laughs) Given that you're potentially playing for extra time at this point and there could be another half an hour. Yeah, it's a bit of a head scratcher, isn't it? Because you've got to get to extra time anyway, right? And to get to extra time, you've got to score a goal to take an attacker off for a defender. Now, don't get me wrong. You take an attacker for a defender 
and that shape change changes yeah. the game and creates an opportunity and you score, you're a genius. Yeah. But if you're done, if, if you do that and it doesn't do that, yeah. then it looks like the most idiotic move that obviously was never going to work. And that is exactly what it looks yeah. like for in this instance, which is, which is a, another confusing part of this and, uh, and a perceived lack of adventure for, mm. well, the last 10 minutes of the European journey in 2023. So it's a, yeah. uh, I would be very, if, if I were a Spurs fan, I would be very, very, very annoyed and frustrated at that performance yeah. and that result because Milan are good, but you have to score a goal at home yeah. in in your in you have home to leg try time. And you score have a goal. to you have to score goals, and I mean this might be something that's different for seasoned Champions League teams such as yourselves. Um, I, my tongue isn't even in my cheek, um, but yeah. when I was at the Champions League games back in two thousand two thousand and one, we were absolutely so far up for it. Yeah. So all over teams. I think the only game we didn't score in two games, we lost at yeah. home 2-0 to Real Madrid and they were unreal. Like that Real Madrid team was insane. It was like we shook on 2-0 before the game. Yeah. And then the other one was Valencia in the semi-final where they were just so defensively solid. Like Mendieta just absolutely bossing the midfield and and we just didn't really get a chance. Um, but every other game, like Barcelona, Deportivo, and whatever else, for six I think we won six nil. Anderlecht, we mm. won four one. You know, those European nights, it's it's almost like, and this is what frustrates me. I'm getting to my point. It feels like Conte has kind of just laughed in the face of the fact that these are big nights, and this is a big European night, and yeah. European nights are something to savor. Yes. The goal is to get in the Champions League so that you can make money and have more money and be in a, a coveted competition. But you've got to perform. You've got to perform yeah. because what is the point of being a football fan if you're going to these tournaments to go out with a whimper? There isn't one. From a yeah. football fan perspective, there's no point unless you're a plastic 17-year-old who just wants to talk about being in the Champions League. And that is not the majority of your fan base. Yeah. Very well said, Dave. And uh, I've got a few points on that. Number one, always amazes me how even the slightest opening can lead to you talking about leads on this podcast, and I respect it. Two, I think your point on Conte laughing in the face of what should be the biggest game of our season, I didn't help that in his post-match comments, uh, I don't actually have the quote here because I'm a terrible host with very bad preparation skills, but he did say words to the effect of Milan are a huge giant in the Champions League of all this history and Spurs are nothing. I mean, I am strongly paraphrasing. He didn't say that but that's what it felt like and I think a lot of Spurs fans were quite insulted it just adds to this whole idea that Conte talks like he's doing us a favour all the time and we'll get on to talk about Conte and I think yeah. you know, it's, it's probably time it might not be the last time we talk about him <laughs> well it definitely won't be because probably not. sooner or later he <laughs> will get sacked and we'll have to talk about that <laughs> or he'll part ways or whatever but the, the things he's been saying and there's, there's been a lot of stuff in press conferences since then as well and in relation to the Forest game we'll get on to all of it the overriding theme is basically you guys should be so lucky to have me I'm the great Antonio Conte and what makes you think that even I'm enough of a miracle worker to give you a chance against the almighty AC Milan who have won this tournament so many times like that actually matters you know come on uh, but anyway I'm channeling my inner Elio here in his absence and going on a bit of a rant but but that's uh, that's something to mention but I think the third point on that is 
tying in with what you said, you know, you're in the Champions League, which is the biggest game of the season. It's the biggest tournament. It's what everyone wants to win. It's what you kill yourself to get into. This is what we were so happy about on the last day of the season. You remember the podcast? I sat here and I played the Champions League music with a great big beaming smile on my face because we got fourth in the last day and I was over the moon. And now I feel like an idiot for getting so excited of getting into a tournament when that's how we play in it. And they said it in the BT Sports studio. I can't remember who said it. One of the pundits said, Tottenham have got to focus now on getting fourth. And Crouch was there and he goes, why? If they're going to play like that, what's the point? And it's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, the dust will settle a few days will go by. We had a good result. We're looking like we could get into fourth and we'll we'll get on to that. But there's part of me that's just thinking, (laughs) and this isn't where I've landed, but I have had the brief moments of thinking, maybe it'd be better if we finish in a Europa League and actually go for that and might actually do all right in it. Are we not, maybe we're not good enough for the Champions League. Obviously, that's all crazy talk and I want us to finish fourth. <laughs> but there is a part of it. What is the point of it all? Which is very dramatic, I know. But we'll <laughs> but come back to that. But that's, that's what it's all about. You know, we yeah. wanna, you don't support a football club for rational thinking. You support yeah. it for the ups and the downs. You don't support it for the nil-nils at home and, and well, Milan are really <laughs> Well, we strong, don't get nil-nils at home historical until this game team. Anyway. You know, historically, yeah, Milan are strong, but right now they're not. They're, they're eminently beatable. And, you know, how many of – I mean, I'm not going all Arsenal by Munich here, but how many of the current Milan team would get into the top and first team <laughs> if everybody was fit? As a niche reference, that's, that's a reference to a tweet that I shared in our group that basically said, only, was it only Ribery or only Robin? An only Arsenal Robin, fan claimed that the peak Champions League winning Bayern Munich team doesn't have a single player that would make the current Arsenal team. To remind us that there are a fair few nut jobs on Twitter, but I won't out them and name them. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it does annoy me when people talk about history in terms of a club having a right to beat another club. It's irrelevant, you know. Spurs Spurs have won European tournament. Spurs have won the league. Who cares if it's in the 60s? You know, that's the whole point everyone's always hammering home. Yes, it counts for something when you're talking about global clout for transfers and reputation and the size of the club. There's a reason that Man United, even though they've not won the Premier League in all these years, can still buy all the players they can and spend all the money they have and have the commercial revenue they have. It's because they used to be brilliant and the history counts there. But that doesn't mean that they have a right to beat Man City every time they play them. Milan spent all of their money this summer on a player who they beat Leeds to signing, Charles de Kessler from Club oh, Rouge, yeah. and he didn't even he play. Didn't play. I think he came on, didn't he? Yeah, I think he came, I think he came on towards he's, the end. Yeah, he's a youngster, though, isn't he? I think he's one for the future. He's, he cost forty-five million euros. So <laughs> he's he's one for the future that they've spent spent more on than anyone ever. And that's a lot of money for a Serie A. I mean, I know exactly you know, they're the champions and whatever and champions they're swimming revenue, in the, but. You, you, you the know, the the big teams in, in, in the Premier League are swimming in different seas to these teams. And and I hate to say it, but I think Conte might be right. You know, how lucky, how, not necessarily how lucky are you to Careful have the now. great Antonio Conte, but I just don't think he's the right manager for you guys. It's not the right mindset. And I think he's, well, I, I think we all think he's, his days are numbers. I think there's a growing sense among Spurs fans that agree with you on that day. I think it's been clear for a long time that the, the weird thing is there's been this talk and it's one of these weird phrases that I roll my eyes out a little bit people talk about Tottenham DNA and it, it kind of stems from this big address that Daniel Levy gave after it might have been after Mourinho actually basically saying right we're going to get back to to Tottenham DNA and what's important everything that's followed it 
and this whole idea that we were going to come back to playing exciting, attacking, dominant, free-flowing, attack-first football in the vein of the great 60s team and whatever, and get back to our roots and play in the image of Bill Nicholson and Danny Blanchflower. And we've gone and appointed a succession of really defensive coaches, successful coaches, and proven serial winners as we are so often reminded but they're just they're not really <laughs> Spurs DNA and I think that's the problem I think if you're winning okay we'll we'll be happy <laughs> but it's very thin ice if you're not playing the way that our fans expect us to play and that's where the history is important Dave you know what you should do mm-hmm. you should get Bielsa in the summer well I'm pretty sure he's on the shortlist he should if be, not on the shortlist, he's on the bookie's shortlist. Because he did more than get us promoted. You know, he, he, he completely changed the philosophy of the club. He completely changed the mindset of the fan base. And it would be an interesting scientific experiment to see if Bielsa yeah. can do what he did with a championship, a, a big championship club yeah. with a big club. I'm not sure if I'm ready for an experiment. <laughs> I feel like a, a safe bet might be the better way of going about it. Well, well, ultimately, we we lost games because we were getting beat, you know, six three because we our strikers weren't as good as theirs, but your strikers are as good as I, theirs. I can so. see a, a disastrous spending in period four. if that were to happen. I can imagine <laughs> it, you know, stubbornly sticking to a brand new way of playing that takes a long time to adjust. And I can also see bust ups. I can also see some some drama behind the scenes. I think without being all tinfoil hat Enoch out to the max I think that will always happen to a degree with our it's certainly you get to a point where you have to say it's not them it's us but yeah I think that that sounds like a recipe for disaster in some ways also he'd absolutely play Kane in defensive midfield (laughs) yeah which and he'd be great there let's be honest Um, we'll get on to that we'll get on to talk about potential successes (laughs) to Conte in a little bit I'm sure Elio wants to throw his weight into that discussion eventually I think we should talk about it all now I mean let's talk about it now but let me just set the tone by talking about some of the words that have been exchanged among some top and personnel in recent press conferences because there's been a lot made of it and I've already touched on some of the stuff Conte has been saying that has been consistent with what he's been saying throughout the season to varying degrees he also came out and said something that he's also said before in England they think you have to have 11 strong players you need 17 18 and that's how you win very fair point and I think anyone would dispute it but it's the subtext isn't it it's the I need more players because you know I'm yep. brilliant. It's I'm not the problem. It's that whole thing again. Um, but then we've got the whole Richarlison thing, which I'm not sure how much of this you caught wind of, Dave, but it's quite entertaining. Richarlison is obviously having, he's not having a brilliant season, as he quite explicitly um, alluded to himself in an interview with a Brazilian journalist after the game where he basically said his season, he said, this season has been shit. I think that's more or less a direct quote. And obviously words got around, quotes, everyone finding it hilarious on Twitter. Uh, Words got back to Conte. He was asked about it and Conte pretty much went back and said, yeah, he's right. Um, And I think it's it's kind of been taken out of context. A little bit of a language barrier, I think. But I don't think it's Richarlison saying I've been this season and Conte agreeing with him. I think it's more a case of him saying he's had a time of it because he's not been able to get into his flow and he's not been scoring the goals and getting the games he wants. But there was definitely... There was definitely a subtext to it that he was kind of having a dig and saying, because he, he then went on to say, and again, I obviously don't have the quote day, but he then went on to say words along the lines of, you know, I don't understand. One minute I'm in the team, the next minute I'm out. What am I supposed to do? And it was, it felt like he lost patience a little bit and was lashing out publicly at Conte. And yeah, and Conte came back and he mm. said, you know, he, he tried to play it down a bit. He said he didn't criticize me. He said his season was and he's right. The season's been not good, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of goes on to half agree with him, but also qualify it. He then starts talking about how he thinks that Richarlison speaking in this way is a bit selfish. 
which was interesting. He kind of went open seas on Richarlison after that. And he said, um, when you speak of I and not us, you're being selfish. I say to my players, if we want to build something important and win a trophy, we have to speak with we, not I, in response to Richarlison talking about his own season. So definitely laid down a gauntlet to him. And you know, we'll come on to Richarlison, who featured prominently in mm-hmm. the Forest game, of course. And we'll come back to those comments and maybe see if those might have sparked something. But there's definitely unrest. And I think Conte appears... and. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Conte appears to be speaking like somebody who just doesn't give a shit anymore. He's always been outspoken and he's never been shy, but he's he started saying things that to me sound like he's just like, go ahead, sack me, just pay me out. I don't care. I'll find something else. I'll go back to Italy. I'm fed up with this place anyway. It almost sounds like he, he knows the writing's on the wall and he might as well speak his mind. And to add to that, Richarlison coming out and publicly basically criticising the manager, which we've not seen before. Within Conte's reign, we've certainly seen it before, but not since Conte came in. That, to me, sounds like the manager's losing influence over the team. He's mm. not this untouchable authoritarian now. The cracks are starting to show, so he's like, I, you know what? He's on his way out now. We don't respect him anymore, so I'm just going to say what I think in an interview. What do you make of yeah. all that? There's a few things to unpack. I think one of the things with Conte is that, you know, obviously he can be very energetic and very... Over the top yeah. um, when he's on the touchline. Whereas when he is talking to journalists and when he is doing press conferences, he is a lot more refrained, a lot more self-control. And, you know, I think in some instances, in some situations, it's worth being, you know, Gennaro Gattuso saying, look, sometimes <laughs> we're good, sometimes we're sh-. All right. That's just Please the don't way advocate it is. for Gattuso as the Spurs. I can't go through that again. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go that but yeah, far. But yeah. you know what? You understand what I'm saying. Sometimes you need to see a little bit, and it's and it's similar to the Potter conversation. And and you know, Potter's is slightly different in the sense that he just he just doesn't get angry. Whereas obviously, you know that Conte gets angry on the touchline. Yeah. Whereas then he, generally speaking, calms down when he's talking to the press. Whereas Potter is serene fairly calm throughout and and he's kind of been picked up on that and I think it's interesting that, that Conte hasn't it might be because it's a maybe it's a lost in translation thing I, that would be completely understandable if Conte doesn't want to lose his rag while he's speaking a second language because that's really yeah. difficult and easy to say the wrong thing yeah, yeah um, exactly uh, and that would make a lot of sense easy um, excuse I, as well but but he does say the wrong thing oh I didn't mean it like well, that well yeah potentially <laughs> potentially but I do think that does also give the impression that he doesn't care Mm. Uh, and that he is happy f- to whatever. And, you know, if you sack me tomorrow, then I'll go tomorrow. Or I might leave it to the end of the season. Who knows? I have a contract to the end of the season. Yeah. So let's see what happens. <laughs> and and that, by extension, will rub off on the team and rub yeah. off on the dressing room because they will see all of those interviews and they'll see all of, all of that yeah. nonchalance that their manager is is portraying. And, and, yeah, why wouldn't they think... God, he's not. He's not up for this. Why would I be up for this? Absolutely. I am really up for good this. Point. We're on a different level. I'm going to speak out. I mean, I obviously don't see the same content that the players do. I'm not there in training. I don't see behind the scenes. But from what I have seen, I've seen enough to make me think that he's at the very least hesitant about his future and not that committed and, and understandably so in the circumstances. So it stands to reason that if you were a player, you'd be thinking in the same way, unless they're seeing something miraculous that I'm not. But it's still so confusing because talking about the Forest game, you saw him when the goals were going in, like when Son scored his goal, spoiler alert, jumping ahead, he went mental, like he has been all season. And Mm. he obviously cares to some degree. And it's not like he's thinking, oh, that's a goal bonus in my contract or something like that. He obviously wants us to win. He obviously cares how we do. And and he's, you know, it's not just a case of let me see this through and get it over with. Uh, And he said things to this effect. 
yes, okay, to a degree he has to. But there's a lot of mixed signals and it's very confusing. I still feel like on the whole, it looks very much like he knows, the club know, the players know that he his days are numbered and it would take a small miracle, to use his words, to turn that around. But mm-hmm. there is something about it that is a little bit bizarre. Yeah, I think I think so. And and you kind of wish that he would have said that Richarlison was having a season a week earlier. <laughs> he, needs to tell him every, he needs to tell him every week that he's having a <laughs> season. Maybe that's what it, what it is. But the thing is, when we first appointed content, we had our podcast and we talked about him. We were all excited and we played the Godfather theme in the intro and it was all happy days. I was quoting Pirlo and I was talking about that quote. Where he says, you know, when Conte speaks, his words assault you like a viper and all these brilliant Pirloisms. Um, and mm. if there's one thing apart from you know tactical astuteness and the rest of it. But the one thing that I was really excited about from a Spurs perspective was this is someone who's going to motivate the dressing room and he's going to get in there and he's going to inspire them and he's going to not take anything from them. He's going to scream at them and, and get them working hard and get them wanting to run through walls for him. And I don't think it ever quite mm. got there. And I can't help thinking that maybe the fact that it was the 18-month contract when he signed and there was always that question mark looming over him that maybe didn't allow it to get there. Maybe it's the fact that some of the signings by Conte's admissions haven't been his signings and all of this. And who's to say? But that was one thing that I thought, if anyone's going to actually get these players putting in a shift and wanting to play for the badge, it was going to be him. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not quite been that every week. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the potential replacements for him because I think the chances are he's gone to the end of the season or sooner. And as much as I'd love to go into each of these in detail and talk about how what they could potentially bring to Spurs, like I said, Elio will want to weigh in on this, I'm sure. And I'm sure he'll have his thoughts and his preferences. But I'm going to run through for you, Dave, some of the front runners according to which bookie am I on? Skybet which is not a paid promotion. Skybet are not sponsoring us uh, once again. But I want to run through some of the favorites in order. And I want you to tell me a rating out of 10, how good a fit these would be for Spurs, okay? Just a quick fire, oh, okay. all right? And we're starting the top yep. with the man himself, the magic man, Mauricio Pochettino. Rating out of 10 for Spurs. Eight. Good, okay. Luis Enrique, second favorite. Six. If you do want to add anything to your ratings, by the way, if you want to, if you want to no, actually, <laughs> if you want to actually elaborate, you, you're free to. I'm not restricting you. I'm just saying. I know that, for the I know that of, a lot of I know that a lot of people would say that Poch is a ten, getting yeah, back immediately. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think there is a there's a massive risk. Yeah. That he damages the legacy he already has at Spurs yeah, with that, it's... and you know, it's. I mean, it all does feel like it's all teeing up nicely for him to return, but. Mm. yeah it's very easy to get back caught for up in fairy tales isn't it exactly yeah. um louis louis enrique yeah i'm i'm not convinced uh, mm. about him as a club manager quite frankly i think he's probably about as good a fit as gareth southgate would be <laughs> i think he's a little bit closer to pochettino in terms of the style in terms of at least attempting to play a more possession-based dominant high line and the barcelona way i suppose but I think he'd probably need to change personnel or at least rotate quite heavily with what it's, we've been it's doing. It's a combination though, isn't it? It's it's the right kind of football style, but it's yeah. also the gravitas. And I'm not convinced he has that because I don't mm. think he's got the CV. That is interesting. What about Champions League winner Thomas Tuchel? Does he have the gravitas to lead Spurs to glory? Do you think he'd be a good signing? Or uh, appointment, I should I think, say. I think, I think he would have the gravitas. Yeah. I think he deserves a second chance because I think Chelsea's a 
bag of cats we know Chelsea yeah. um, in the Premier League I don't think he's a bad shout at all and I think it would be funny if uh, bearing in mind they had another Chelsea manager uh, well another Chelsea manager but also bearing in mind that Conte and Tuchel had yeah. the handshake the, yeah hand, handshake gates <laughs> um, yep. uh, that he would be the person to to potentially take over that would be that would be the, the sweetness in that for, for Tuchel yeah. I'm sure I'd probably give that seven seven and a half okay. out of ten okay quick fire for the rest Marco Silva same Seven. Seven. Seven out of ten. All right. Thomas Frank. Oh, Defensively gosh. sound. Gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was... Come on, Dave. Quick fire. Quick fire? Yeah. Five. I've got to tell you. Five. Five. Okay. Ryan Mason. That's an interesting one. What about, what about the, uh, the homeboy project? Ryan Mason. One. Yeah? You really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no chance. Okay. Okay, th- this is one that's right up there with my favourite choices, and I don't know if it's a recency bias thing, but Roberto De Zerbi. Well, he's doing very well. Uh, I say recency uh, bias. It's uh, not uh, like uh, Brighton's the first good club he's managed. I mean, he made a lot of waves with Sassuolo and, and Shakhtar. He's played some exciting attacking football everywhere he's gone, so at least he'd try and do what we want him to do. Yeah, I'd say seven. I'd, I'd put him in the similar bracket to Silva. Okay. Um, that's enough. Actually, I'm going to throw in Diego Simeone. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> we'll get a few more nil nils at just home if he comes in. Oh, that, I, I can just imagine the that would be like Gattuso levels of outcry. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's a very successful manager and he's done well. But I just think he is the the antithesis of what Tottenham DNA is supposed to be, isn't he? Anyway, much more on that to come. We'll get back on to talking about our potential replacement for Conte. If and when, I should say when, he finally decides to go back to Italy and leave Spurs alone. But we'll get on to that. Let's talk about his last game in charge of Spurs, which was a fairly comfortable 3-1 win against a fairly awful Nottingham Forest side, I think it's fair to say. I don't know what you made of the, the game, Dave, but I know you're only really watching through a very brief highlights package. Mm. Um, shall we shall awful, we do our... Worth saying, worth yeah. saying that Forest, Forest are awful away from home. Um, at yes. home, they're pretty useful. Uh, away from home, well, I think they've only scored four goals all season. So it's a bit of a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde situation for them. And I think at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, that was always looking like a home banker. But, you yeah. know, it's Spurs, so... No, you're you're absolutely right. They had scored three goals away from home all season. They were rock bottom of the away table and they managed to score their fourth against Spurs. They very nearly scored there their fifth. Go. They would have scored, what's that, 40% of all their away goals against Spurs, which would have been quite embarrassing. Um, I think 3-2 <laughs> would have been a very flattering result. I, I don't want to get too carried away, even though it was a comfortable win and a good performance, because I think Forest were probably the worst team I've seen come to our stadium this year. And they it, it had that end of season feel for me. It was kind Kind of like, you know, when the team's already relegated, it was just beach against beach almost. Like we were just playing without fear, rolling it around, had all the space in the world. They weren't pressing. Um, let's do the match day thing, Dave. Let's uh, let's fire up the highlights just because because uh, you got them. I thought we, we said we'd do this beforehand. You can give me the blow by blow breakdown, the analysis, and play it out loud as well. I don't know. If we're, I don't think enough people care about our podcast for us to get in any legal trouble for playing the highlights on there. But you know, we could are, always. Come I, are we allowed to do that? I, 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 I don't got, see why we got the rights because the know, athletics. Podcast, BBC do don't it. have the rights. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. Let, let's let's go one step further than match today and actually have an analysis. So let me see, play let me see what I can do. Play into the microphone and then stop it when something happens and describe it to me and give me your thoughts. Okay, this is brilliant stuff for an audio-only podcast, isn't it? Okay, here we go. Loading up the highlights. Three minutes worth. This, out. this is an it? easy three minutes. Here we go. Are we going to commentate? There we go. Pause, please. There we go. Right. First talking point. <laughs> beautiful pass by Skip 
Like yes. Hall of Fame Great pass. That's that's Xavi. That's Glenn Hoddle. That's you know that's De Bruyne. That's that's Harry Kane. Great ball. Great finish. And and Richarlison is the most unlucky man in a Spurs shirt right now. Ridiculous. Because he was offside by 0.3 millimetres or whatever it yeah. was. Everything we said last time about VAR, just repeat. It's getting boring, isn't it? And here he is celebrating as well, running off, shushing. I, I don't know if he's shushing Conte there or who he's shushing. I don't know if the fans are giving him a hard time, but absolutely ridiculous. Armpit hair offside. But let's give credit where it's due, Dave. Beautiful pass, beautiful run. I don't care if he's technically offside. I don't think you could possibly have technology with the frame by frame measurements that perfect to determine that he is categorically offside. So I'm just going to say, well done, Richarlison. You did everything right. Beautiful finish. And especially with the backdrop of the, the pre-match and everything that to fire him up, it would have been such a good story. And yet again, this wonderful technology has to snatch it away from us. Indeed, sad. indeed. It He's is sad, sad, but hey, them's the breaks, I'm afraid. But yeah. it's a whole redemption arc for Richarlison in this, uh, it's a slow in this game, one, though, so it? it's all good. It's a, it's a stuttering redemption arc. There we go. There's Poro's cross, Kane's header. There's really 1-0. Should be 2-0. So this first goal was Harry Kane's uh, header from a Poro cross. So that must yep. be exciting. That's the first, first payback of the 45 million. Um, <laughs> how many crosses onto Kane's head before he's paid that back? Good question. I don't know. Has anyone ever worked out how much a goal is worth? I think it all depends on where it ends up, right? I think they did do that a few a few. Well, if you years get into the ago, Champions League, isn't that million, supposed to be worth like 90 million or something? So, you know. Yeah, I think if they added it all up and the cost of relegation versus the, the, the rich of the Champions League, I think it, it worked out that goal was like worth like 3 million. <laughs> Fair enough. But no, so there I, you go. I would dare suggest, as, as horrible as this sounds to a man who we've sung praises of recently, I would say that cross is as good, if not better, than any cross I've seen Emerson Royale put into the box. He's done a lot right and he's done a lot very well, but crossing is still not there. Whereas Poro, obviously showing why we paid all that money for him and why we dragged out a saga over the whole window. Lovely ball, perfect to Kane, and Kane doing what Kane does best. That's two yeah, nil, and it's yeah, uh, and, and that's one nil. It's easy street from here on, isn't it? It's, I think uh, it's worth saying on that as well that I mean uh, maybe this is just because it's the narrative that I want to spin, but that move had died, but Richarlison had resurrected it by hassling the defender and yes. getting the ball back. And yes, Ben Davis then then also rescued it by not letting the ball die, but then and then that yeah. cross came from Poro and and Kane finished. So. You know, even if even if Conte doesn't look bothered, obviously all of your players are bothered yeah. and they are working. So that's a positive. And, you know, you got to clutch onto the positives, right? He, he certainly is. And I think it's worth mentioning just to spoil the rest of your analysis for you, Dave. Richarlison was involved in all, I'm going to say four goals because there were four goals. He was involved directly or indirectly in all of them. Yeah. So well done to him. Here is the next moment. Richarlison again goes down, stonewall penalty, no complaints. This is a it feels like point. a watch along. This, this is good, isn't it? You know, we should do more of these. Not allowed to play. Not allowed to play any of the sound, and they just go. Yeah, it's four nil. <laughs> I was thinking last week when we did our ode to John Watson that we should maybe do some kind of commentary tribute where we should watch a live game on mute, record us doing it. I'll commentate, <laughs> and you guys can be my co-commentators jumping in. I reckon I'd be quite good at it, Dave. I think I'd be okay. I mean, it's worth a try, isn't it? It's worth a try. Yeah. So. 
the second the second goal was Kane's penalty. Yeah, so a talking uh, point on that. Richarlison, Richarlison brought down in the box. Yeah. So that's an assist, right? That counts. That does. That would, if you had him in your FPL team. Not quite sure why you would on recent form, but that would be. One talking point that's come up, and again, this comes back to the content's comments. Uh, a few people on Twitter suggesting that at this point, and remember it's 1-0 to Spurs, that Kane should have given the penalty to Richarlison. Because, you know, he needs a goal for his confidence. And Richardson was kind of asking for it. He went down and won it. And he was, you could see him kind of gesturing to Kane, like, oh, can I take it? Let me have it. And Kane took it. Do you think that's the right thing to do? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think that would be a long discussion, but it's worth mentioning. Of course, of course. Um, yeah. yeah. Unless you're 3-0 uh, up and it's the 80th minute. You don't want Richardson to break his Premier League duck for you, but yeah. you want to win the game. And yeah. Kane is the penalty taker. And I think if he gives it to Richarlison, Richarlison misses, it's way worse. Yeah. Um, at least, at least uh, he's up. Yeah. He's in profit here. He's won the penalty. That's enough. You know, cut your losses and don't risk wasting that. And also, how much confidence is it really going to give you to just bang in a penalty? Like, I know they're not tap-ins and you've still got to put them away, but I don't think that's going to think, right, I've arrived because I've scored a penalty against Nottingham exactly. Forest at home. Yeah, worth mentioning that. So that's 2-0. Then... Where are we now? Oh, that was just a very tame effort on goal. Comfortably Smart save by Fraser Forster. Forster. And, and I guess we have to start the, is Forster the long-term replacement for Hugo Lloris? Oh, we'll get on to that well. nonsense as well. And here is Richarlison playing a great ball in that's cut out. It's back out to him on the wing. Cuts it back inside. This time, Sonny makes no mistake. Great touch. Through the legs of Aurea into the far corner. I like the nutmeg on Serge Aurea as well. That one, that... Was it Aurea? No, it wasn't. No, it was John no, Shelby. He, he beat Aurea first and then went through Shelby's legs. Yeah. Oh, and there's Conte going absolutely wild on the touchlines like he loves Spurs and wears Spurs pyjamas and bleeds blue and white. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, Richarlison again, another assist for him. Uh, yeah. Son, really, really smart two-touch. You know, there's a chest down and then the, and then the touch to go the other way again. Um, yeah. Lovely goal. No, I, no I do have a there. point here about Son and I wanted to ask I'm very conscious that this is probably something that you've not paid enough attention to Spurs to be able to adequately answer and uh, I mean that with love Dave but I think you would agree that this is the sort of thing that Elio will probably want to weigh in on and it's the theory that's gathering weight on Twitter that there is an incompatibility with Perisic and Son Uh, and the stats actually back it up quite a lot so to give you some context in the last four matches they've started together, we've lost all four. The last 14 games they've played together have resulted in three wins, one draw, and 10 losses. Mm-hmm. And here was an example again where Davies was starting at the left back. When you see patterns like that, generally, I'm not going to ask you about this one exactly, because again, appreciate you, know, you, you might not have kept an eye out for it or been aware that this was a point people have been raised. But do you roll your eyes when you hear stuff like that? Is it like the kind of the curse of Gareth Bale and it's just, it's not correlation meaning causation? Or do you think sometimes players can just be incompatible and they just don't work well together, even if independently they're both good players? Because they've just both been awful when they've been on the pitch together. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's an incompatibility between the two players. I think it's probably just that when they are on the pitch, it's an incompatibility for one of them, which is probably going to be Son when you think about it, because he's probably, he's the headline grabber of the two. Yeah. Um, he's probably has to play slightly different and he either doesn't know what he's doing in that structure or he doesn't want to be in that structure and, and yeah. he maybe underperforms. I would say it's probably the former. I don't think Son's the kind of person that's going to pick his ball up and walk off. Mm. But yeah, there's probably something in it, but I think it's more of a tactical familiarity if we're going football manager, full football manager, where I think the, the tactics that are used are slightly different for a more offensive Perisic on the left-hand side, yeah. which then leads Son to second-guess and 
not necessarily know think that naturally where he's going to go is where he should go and that probably stops him from doing it and that affects his performance I did you any justice there, Dave. That was a much more thorough analysis than I was expecting. So uh, I apologise. I'm now seeing the dreaded dotted line that you get on Football Manager when players don't play well together. You know, that horrible. <laughs> and when you see that between your centre-back pairing and you're like, oh no, I've just spent like 60 million on each of them. This this can't be happening. No, ab- absolutely. And I think your point on it being Son's problem rather than Perisic, I think it's worth mentioning they played together for most of the first half of the season in which Son was awful and Perisic was actually very good. So it's obviously yeah. Son that is the one who's suffering from any kind kind of mismatch there um, but nonetheless he had a good game and uh, I think I saw a stat which I, I haven't checked because it sounds a little bit nuts and it certainly wasn't the impression I got that Son created more chances in this game than any other player has for any club all season in the Premier League really which I mean Forest were bad and I don't know what they're calling a chance maybe just passing to anyone in the final third <laughs> when Forest aren't pressing is a chance but yeah that was interesting so credit where it's due he, he scored a goal and it was a nice finish as well wasn't it and that's actually it his, it his 99th Premier League goal I believe and you can see how annoyed he was when he had a chance which we might be about to see actually in the highlights he had a chance to no it's their goal uh, he had a chance to score his 100th and obviously um didn't and was very upset on that point actually as we watched the forest goal go in and we'll get on to that worth mentioning harry kane now has reached the 20 goals mark in the league which is the sixth time he's done that in his career only two yeah. other men have done that particular feat and they are of course alan shearer and of course sergio aguero so very rarefied air again yes another milestone for good old harry every week he comes up with some new trophy for our cabinet <laughs> but in all seriousness that's, that's outstanding I think 20 goals already in this season and I don't think he's quite going to catch Haaland but he's going to make it a lot closer than I think anyone ever thought it was going to be by the looks of it and he's not done yet so we've just seen the goal Forest goal I must admit Dave I don't really remember it all I remember was being annoyed because I've got Ben Davies in my FPL team and I was thinking this is a guaranteed clean sheet I'm a genius <laughs> game's nearly over here come my beautiful five points or whatever it is, four points, and no one else has Davies, and I'm a genius, and I'm going to rise up the ranks. And of course, never pick your own players. I'm speaking to the manager of the Emotional Hedge FC. You know only too well that I had a howler there. You did, you did. And 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 just to sum up the corner, it was a pretty classic corner routine with a corner to the to the near post, which is nodded on to the back post, yeah. which is nodded in uh, and taking everything out of the game. Vio would be proud yeah, of that. It was, Vio, Vio would be, deli- be delighted with it, yeah. And, Indeed. Uh, and, then, and then after that goal, obviously you guys all got nervous on the WhatsApp group. Uh, I think, I think, <laughs> well, I, I think I'm quoting you, I'm quick, quick, think I'm quoting you, Dags, don't do this now, Spurs. <laughs> I was saying what everyone else was thinking, but yeah, I never really, jokes aside, I never really thought we're going to throw this away, but there's just that feeling of, oh no, no, this this could be one of those games that we'll talk about in years to come. Do you remember that time? Yeah, there's always that moment. Unfortunately, Fraser Forster is a wonderful goalkeeper. He is. Well, I mean, maybe not, but he's he's doing his job. I mean, I've heard suggestions, actually, that almost by default, he's been our signing of the season because all of our actual signings have been somewhat underwhelming in the long term. And he's actually done his job whenever he's needed to. He's filled in for Loris. He's done a good job. He's had a couple of moments, but um, saved a pretty average penalty, to be kind. But, you know, you've got to beat what's in front of you. So well done to him. And I think 3-2 would have been very scary and a bit of a silly penalty to give away, even in those circumstances, if I could have said. So you're not really sure what he's doing there, to be honest. But hmm. um, but that was that. 
and that was Forest. And it leaves us looking fairly good in the league. Obviously, a few games to go. Next game is a game that not only should we really be winning, but a game that you really need us to be winning because Southampton of course managed to scrape a point I say scrape that does them a disservice they actually were very good against albeit for a lot of the game a 10-man Manchester mm. United thanks to Casemiro who is the real lunatic let's let's give Romero some slack Casemiro is the one we need to be talking about mm-hmm. um, but you know, Southampton were actually okay for the hearing, first time in a long time I was actually hearing that it's the first time that well it Casemiro doesn't really get sent, hasn't really no, really he'd never been, been sent off, off for he's got, Madrid or he's got something. Double yellow cards, but he's never been sent off, and he's been yeah, sent off twice had for, a straight for, red, yeah. for scum. So you know, it's a scum thing, basically. Clearly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's blame them. I, just, I love just that little graphic of um, his ten-game stretch that was just like suspended, 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 straight red, suspended, suspended, suspended. Lose seven 0 to Liverpool. Suspended. I <laughs> just this is absolute disaster. You know, it was like like Jonathan Woodgate's debut stretched out over a third of the season. Oh, you um, forgot you forgot win the Carabao Cup in the middle of that as well. Wasn't he suspended for that as well? No, oh, no, no, he played. He, played he in scored, that. didn't he, he? He played in that, and he could play he? in the European games as well. Uh, so. Yeah, I guess he, he's not. He only plays one game every ten, and even he can win a trophy. Well, what can I say? Yeah, roll, roll him out, win a trophy. One thing he's good at is winning trophies. In fairness to Casemiro, I'm not sure why we're talking about Casemiro, but let's talk about. Southampton. So tell me about Southampton because it's one of those games. If Elio was here, he'd say, I'd be very disappointed if we're not winning this comfortably, but football doesn't always work like that. Don't do a Spurs, Spurs, and let's all be happy again. Right? Anything to add? Don't concede any free kicks <laughs> and we'll be fine. You know what? I'm, I, I kind of wish <laughs> Romero was suspended for this game because that you can just see it can't you that that first yellow on Leal he's going to do that against Southampton and then he's going to have a free kick 25 yards out for Ward Prowse which is basically a penalty yeah, I'm, I'm probably do doing that. Shea Adams a disservice because he is actually their top scorer in the in the, the league this now? season with nine with nine Ward Prowse has eight it's a Ward man team. you know what I'm glad you said if that. he wasn't there they would already be relegated I'm glad that you said that their top scorer has nine goals because that's reminded me of another one of my great useless stats. Um, Harry Kane, thanks to that Forest game, now has eight headed goals this season, which is one off the Premier League record of nine held by, any guesses? It's not Shearer. Ferdinand? No, I thought you were going to say it there. It's Duncan Ferguson. Ferguson. Big Dunk. Not surprising when you when you hear it, is it? Uh, so you know, Green, a trophy and manager. all that. That could be another one to put on the cabinet when when Kane gets a couple more headed goals from thanks to some VO masterclasses. But yeah, Southampton. You'd like to think we'll, we'll beat them. I think it's a weird time to be a Spurs fan at the moment. I'm not really sure how to support Spurs right now because everyone <laughs> around me is telling me that it's all doom and gloom and we need to forget the season and just you know wait until the summer and then get excited again when we hire. Pochettino or whoever and this is a write-off but I'm trying my best to enjoy things game by game at the moment you know because to use the old media training cliche take it one game at a time football is about the journey I know that's a very spursy thing to say that it's not about the destination as a way of excusing our lack of trophies but when you think about it and this applies to you as well you know fans of 95% of teams are never going to see their team win a trophy so what is even the point if that's all that it comes down to. Sometimes you just got to hope to see a good game, see your team scoring some nice goals against Nottingham Forest at home and enjoy it for what it is, right? That's what we've got to be about or we'll all go mad. There are five points currently between 20th and 12th in the Premier League. (laughs) Let's not open that door, Dave. Would you rather be fourth? (laughs) 
than one of them. This is why, you know, when we started this podcast, I thought your main role was going to be to wind us up and to just trigger us and just to, you know, take the piss or, you know, step in and tell us when we're being ridiculous when we're when we're overrating our players. But no, what it is, is just to be like, guys, get over it. You're not in the 17th. You're in the relegation zone. It's an interesting thing though. It's an interesting thing because would I like to be mid-table and would that mean I enjoy the football more? Yes, it would. But every you'd game enjoy is the important. football, but you'd be less Everything, invested in it. Every game is important Yeah, for, for Leeds right now. But every game is important for Tottenham. I don't buy this right off the season, see you next year. It's, fo- it's, it's, it's very not, untitled, isn't it's it? It's not a... Well, it's not a. I can't even. I can't even think of a comparison. It's not a business. It's not. It's not something yeah. that you're doing just to get to the other side. It's you know, fun. It's, it's entertainment. It's your main hobby and pastime. Yeah. That you spend thousands of pounds on, Elio. I'm, I'm actually just talking about Elio. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very kind of classic armchair fan mentality. It's like you know the type. They don't really watch the games. They tell everyone they're a Spurs fan. They get really animated and like to mouth off about. It's just like you know, oh god, Spurs are rubbish. Oh, you can't. This this player is useless. We should sell him because the echo chamber of Twitter has told them that that's how they should think. And they don't actually watch the games. I watch the odd highlights when we win and only when we win. And, you know, it's that, it's that whole mentality. And it's just this very entitled thing. And mm. you, you need to save it for, you need to enjoy it when you can, because you don't get many moments. Like just, even the wins that essentially mean nothing at the end of the season, just, you never know. Maybe they will mean something. You've got to just, just go with it and you remember them. You know, I, we have so many good memories. You talked about that run in the Champions League. I can obviously call back to the Lucas Moura hat-trick and that amazing run in the Champions League. What do we have to show for it? Nothing. But does it matter? No, because it was fun and we enjoy it and that's why we're mm-hmm. football fans, right? So, so in other words, let's get excited about Southampton away <laughs> in the race for a tournament that we will probably go out of in you guys, terrible fashion. You guys need to get excited about Southampton away. We will. I promise you, Dave. We'll get- you need to batter them. And then yes. you need to have a lovely international break, and then you need to go to Everton, and you need to batter them. I mean, if because we don't if you batter don't, Everton, because if you don't, then we will have to beat you on the last day of the season, and we will not be friends, and there will be no more podcast. Yes, I agree, and I really do not want that to happen. I don't think anyone wants that to happen, even if it would be drama and would probably be our most listened to ever episode. Um, speaking of Everton, I mean, I did just make a joke at their expense, but in all fairness to them, since Daesh came in, they're doing quite well. I mean, at least the bar was low, wasn't it? But I saw someone post a table as of Daesh's appointment, and incidentally, Spurs were actually top of that table, wore a trophy, I know. Um, but <laughs> That was the last seven games. And, and again, this is something to be happy about. Okay, our fixtures haven't been the most difficult, but we are top on the terms of the last seven games of form. So yeah, it, it's, it's not too bad, but a few good games to go. And looking at the table now, just on that point, we are in fourth, as we have been for quite a lot of the season, considering some of the histrionics about our form. We've actually been 4-4 thereabouts for a lot of the season, so could mm-hmm. be worse. We're on 48 points. We are just two points behind Man United, who have played a game less. We are four points ahead of Newcastle, who have played two games less. And we are six points ahead of Liverpool, who have only played one game less, so they can't catch us. So we're looking okay for fourth. I think a betting man might be justified in putting down a large sum of money on Spurs securing that top four. I clearly will not be doing any such thing, but it's not terrible, is it, Dave? We're looking I was okay. having this conversation uh, today at, at work, actually. I think 
Tottenham and Liverpool, I would say, are the favourites. The two most likely to get fourth. Um, obviously, one of those two, I know they can't both get it. But funnily enough, I think Newcastle or Brighton deserve it more. Uh, Brighton's yeah. got three games in hand on you. If they win all of those, which is unlikely, but Brighton if they win deserve all those, it. They're, they're on the same points as you. Yeah, Brighton deserve um, it the most out of all of those. They've and, and, played and, yeah, lovely stuff I mean, all season. You obviously want Deserve to be your next manager, so that's how how, how much <laughs> yeah. you think of of, the, of those guys. And yeah. you know they're playing great football, and we got a very good point against them uh, the weekend. You did absolutely yeah. smashed us. I did not see but that we coming. We scored two worldies, so that meant we got a point, which was great and and useful. But um, yeah, yeah, Mitoma and uh, McAllister and uh, Caicedo, proper players. Yeah, there's a lot of Bryson in my FPL team at the moment for good reason. Uh, yeah, I mean they've got a lot had, of games had, to one. I had Mitoma but... because my team is called the Emotional Hedge. Yeah, I also had Trossard on the bench, which Ooh. was a mistake. On the be- oh my, my, don't talk to me about my FPL bench. I've been racking up record scores from my bench recently, David. Yeah, I, I trust Adam Havertz on my bench this week. <laughs> it's, I'd rather not get into it. I had McAllister last week on about 14 points. I had Marcinelli this week. I had, yeah, let's, let's not go down that road. It's just going to depress me. And I've just ended on such a positive <laughs> as well. I was so happy about real football, really clutching at the straws and scraping the bottom of the barrel. But, uh, but anyway, Spurs are sitting quite pretty. You know, we're not going to win the league, but we might come fourth. We might even come third. Who knows? After all that drama, maybe we'll actually get in to third and maybe Arsenal will slip into second and the season won't look so bad which brings me nicely on to something that I just want to end the podcast on Dave and I I don't know if you've seen this because I sent it to the group but if you haven't I urge you to watch it right now go on YouTube oh yeah I haven't seen it I know what you're talking about and type in and and anyone who's listening to this if you haven't seen this already pause the podcast even stop it because we need done we've got our listen stat we don't care Um, go and find (laughs) the Paddy Power advert for I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's basically interviewing Spurs legends and asking them who they want to win the league and they're all pretending to be Man City fans. I won't say anything more, but it's, go it's, check it's, it out. It's excellent. It's, it's probably you know, the funniest thing I've seen all year on Twitter. Hats off to Paddy Power's marketing team. They they do they do sometimes <laughs> absolutely nail it with these uh, with these videos. Um, but yeah, that's one yeah. of the better ones. And uh, good on uh, you know Sheringham and uh, it was Jerry Francis uh, getting involved. Yeah, as well. I, I don't want to spoil anything because if anyone's listening to this and haven't seen it, I don't want to kind of give away the punchlines. But it's very funny. It's Jerry Francis, Sheringham, Hoddle, Anderton. And that's it. It's very funny. Go and check it out. And I mean, you've probably seen it already. I'm sure you will have. It's brilliant. It's gold. Lost count of how many times I've seen that. But anyway, ending on that high, all that's really left is to say thank you, Dave, for another episode. And uh, I hope we did a good job of fitting in without Elio yet again. And I hope it was worth missing this, Elio. I hope you had a great night out. And uh, if you're listening to this with a hangover, I hope it's really loud and it's drumming into your head. <laughs> Maybe we should just bash at the microphone Where's a bit my pots just and pans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything to close off with Dave before we wrap up this episode do you have any final thoughts on anything on on leads on spurs on football on life itself after us just talking about it for a very small amount of time I'm now very anxious about spurs away at Southampton next so I'm just going to go to a dark room and worry <laughs> about that for the next few days yeah, I've been having... That's my plan. Nightmares might be a strong word, but I've been having these very anxious premonitions of the scenario that is the elephant in the room that is inching closer, where we're sitting here and the final day of the season will determine whether you stay up or not, which is looking, I hate to say it, they're not in a trolling way at all, more and more likely each week. So we could be at this horrible point where Spurs need a win against Leeds to get top four. 
and you need a win or a draw to not go down. And that's not, when the podcast not, goes into meltdown. Yeah, I'm not... It's too early I'm not, to really talk about it, but... It, I'm not in the predictions uh, stage yet, <laughs> and I'm certainly not feeling so confident that I'm going to say that we'll stay up. But I think what I will say is I think it's close right now. There's five points in it in the bottom nine. It's going to stay that close. And I honestly think we might have a situation where one or even maybe two teams survive on goal difference. <sighs> Let's see. A long way to go. And I'm sure if it's starting to look more likely, we'll have to talk about it more. And ultimately, if that's the case, and you are fighting for fourth with Liverpool and Newcastle and potentially Brighton, yeah. and there's a shootout for the title between City and Arsenal. Blockbuster time. It could be one of the greatest days (laughs) in the history of the Premier League. One might dare to suggest that it would be in many people's interest for that situation to pan out. But I am not that one to dare suggest it. The first ever live stream. Well, I'll come around mine, have a barbecue. Can you imagine? Live stream of that game. Oh dear. Yeah. Let's not even think about it. Right. We were doing so well. We were being very positive. We've dragged (laughs) ourselves down again. So let's end it before it gets any worse. We've managed to do it without Elio as well. I hope you all enjoyed it. And for you Elio fans, I'm glad that you stayed to the end if you're still here. He should be back next time. We will be reviewing the Southampton game and then we'll have a break for the international break. But Elio will be back for a long way to triumphant return. Hopefully to talk about how we've done Dave and Leeds a huge favor and stuck five away against Southampton away. We hope to have as many of you back as possible for then oh follow us on twitter at plus dave podcast follow me at plus dave dags follow dave at fantasy dave follow elio even though he's not here elio underscore p underscore thfc stay classy spurs fans and we'll see you next week